Welcome to episode 153 of Controller Controllables. And today is, is Tuesday, and, and Tuesday is supposed to be the day that we get our latest episode out to bring joy to you, to, to bring learnings to you. But the world's a very different place today, and it, and it didn't feel right to go down the route of of bringing out our, our, our normal guests that we had planned. Since our last episode, Russia has invaded Ukraine, and today Belarus has joined in that invasion. And we've all watched in absolute horror. Our hearts are broken. Missiles are falling on Ukraine. Innocent men, women, and children have been killed. And I think it's just, it's so easy for us to just read what's going on as we scroll through the morning, through the Twitter feeds, as we see it on the TV. And then we just carry on with our day. We have to bring attention to what is going on right now. You know, you you see the pictures and you imagine the 10-year-old girl that's been killed. You imagine what the families are going through. And, and if we move back to 2020, we had the Ukrainian tennis player Sergei Starkovsky on control the controllables. And he was talking about his tennis career. And it was, it was really, I've known Sergei now for 15, 20 years. And when he spoke to me that day, I could see he, he was ready to stop playing. He, he wanted to move on with his life. He wanted to start spending time with his wife his three kids, his 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 new passion of wine as he took his new life on board. And for a tennis player that's been traveling for 20, 25 years, you know, that is the day that he would have dreamed of. And he kept on going because he wanted to finish strong. He wanted to bring a little bit more money into his family's world. And he also wanted to help his country in Davis Cup. I know it was something that was very special to him to represent his country on the tennis court. And what a what a career he had. You know, he was he was world number thirty-one you know, played on the tour for many years, some fantastic matches on centre court at Wimbledon. Now his life has turned upside down. He's made the decision to leave his wife, to leave his three kids behind, to enlist in the the military reserves back in Ukraine, back in his homeland, back in his home city to fight for his country and what none of us know how this is going to work out. And it's just so, so hard for any of us to imagine. It's something, you know, myself as as a dad of three, the thought of ever having to leave my family to do this is just unimaginable. And And I'm heartbroken that there's so many families that are going through this. And Sergi came onto the show from, from Kiev earlier on today to tell us about his decision and how the last 48 hours have been in the Ukraine. So here is Sergei Stokovsky. Sergei Stokovsky, uh, thank you for thank you for joining me. You know, as I as I said, you know, Tuesday is the day the podcast goes out. It it didn't feel right for me that it was just normal Tuesday, carry on as normal because it's not, you know, and you're absolutely in the heart of, of what's going on. A few weeks ago, you were playing in Australia. You know, you're now in Kiev. 
you know, we're, 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 we're all waiting. You know, first of all, how, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm alive. I guess that's the most important part for now. And, and how's your country doing? That's a bit harsher. Um, Kharkov got hit today. It's the second biggest city of Ukraine. Got hit city center. The main square was hit by two propelled rockets. Um, casualties, of course, lots of casualties. Civilians. There was no military objects in that, in that area. So it's, it's disastrous, honestly. I mean, it has no sense what's going on. I mean, the full invasion is okay, but but you know when you when you attack civilians, when you don't attack the army uh, infrastructure, it just makes no sense anymore. And how? And, and obviously, we're we're watching on. You know, you see. I know you were outside the country only only two or three days ago. You you see the images. It's it's hard. It's hard to fully get it. It's hard to really fully understand what's going on. You know, you yourself. You know, you're married, three children. You know, how difficult was that decision for you to, to come back? And, and were they supportive of that decision as well? Of course not. I mean, who is in the right mind is going to support a decision like this, especially if I'm not a trained military? I mean, it's absolutely nonsense. Somebody would support something like this. Uh, it was never in the light decision. It was, it was hard. My wife, of course, took it also badly. And for me, the worst part was when... when uh, my younger one, Alex, when, when when I was leaving, he he asked where I was going because he's he's attached to me a bit more than all the others, and you know, daddy this and daddy that, and then he goes like, "Where are you going?" I knew if I'm going to say that I'm leaving for somewhere, he's going to you know start crying or something. So I'm going to just come. I'm just going to come back in a quick time. I'm, you know, just I'll be right back. And I just wish that um, I will come back. Well, we're all. We, we, we couldn't, in the tennis community, you know, in the world, you know, we couldn't have any more respect, any more support. I know it, it, it's, it's nothing physical, um, but, but know that across, across the whole tennis community, we're all 100% behind you. And there's, a, there's 127 countries, Sergi, that are listening to this podcast. You know, what would, what would your message be to them? You know, how can, how can we play a small part in, in, in what is going on right now? Well, every, every country has their own means of supporting. And uh, the support of Ukraine has been tremendous in terms of media coverage, in terms of celebrities, athletes, um, politicians, musicians. Or, I mean... Everybody's condemning Russia and especially condemning Putin, which is great. And uh, to show him the way, the, the biggest issue right now is that we, we're standing where we need to, unfortunately, we need to punish even those Russians who, who don't support Putin, okay, who understood that he's going way too far. And in terms of punish, I mean, you know, make their life a little bit harder in terms of travel, in terms of accommodation, payment, you know, visa, canceling the cards. Uh, it's not easy for them to travel. It's not easy for them to obtain stuff from abroad, which is quality. Uh, I know that the car importers are Volkswagen, Jaguar. They stop bringing cars into Russia. Those little things, when they add up, I mean, it, if you take in, in all of the picture, the, the amount of sanctions and boycotts, which are done by the brands and by the governments, is immense. I mean, it's insane what the Israeli even done, and it's great. But the difference is, 
if this would be done eight years ago, even I would say half of these measures, which were done today, would be done eight years ago, we wouldn't have war today. This is the core principle. But the thing is that we have the war today, but we cannot stop. All of those sanctions, they help. Yeah. But Putin is not a loser. He's not, you know, he doesn't play to lose. And my biggest scare is that he's going to start shelling all of the Ukraine with artillery or whatsoever, and he's going to level to the ground some cities. Because they cannot win this war on the ground. On the ground, they're losing. They don't have the motivation. There's What's the reason for them to be here? What, they're trying to conquer Ukraine? Ukrainians are on their own land. They're defending what's theirs, and they're willing to go the distance to defend it. Yeah. The Russians, they don't, they don't want to go the distance. They're scared. And you bringing it back to where you are now you're you're back in your home city of kiev kiev sorry i know and i know that's a very important point you know that, that you've done a and i think to talk to me about that point because i know it's a really important point yeah it's uh the names uh, were russified i would say back in the soviet era and then it stayed and then all of the names even when the ukrainian language became official back to ukrainian again not the russian the names stayed and all the all the tourists they were calling the names by by the russian names not by the ukrainian one because kiev is from the name of the one of the three brothers who established kiev you know yeah. there were ki shek and hori but not ki shek and hori so it's historically we have to be accurate absolutely and how was your journey back because you, this is now your second day in you know, how, yeah. how, how, how was that journey as you made your way back? Um, I, uh, I crossed my foot. I geared up some of the necessary gear in Bratislava, thanks to my close friends from the TCA, it's a tactical combat academy, where I, uh, where I was learning how to shoot back in 2014 and was going their courses for a couple of years. Um, and then I drove to the border with uh, Slovakia and Ukraine. Uh, one very close friend, he was actually evacuating his daughter, uh, his son and his wife. So basically he was dropping them out and I was crossing the border and we drove back. Uh, I crossed the border on foot. Uh, at that time, it was past midnight. It was minus eight. It was hundreds of kids with mothers, uh, some of them uh, on foot, uh, kilometers long uh, of uh, queues in the cars. This is what is the worst in it that, you know, those people, they suffer even crossing the border. You know, they stand there for six, seven, ten hours, you know, and waiting just to cross. And they don't know what's what expecting them behind. You know, they, they have no news. They don't understand how dangerous it is. So that was um, some tough part. But then we, we took a drive to Lviv overnight. Uh, we linked with some of our friends who were driving in our direction. And then we separated somewhere around Vinita. They were going to Kharkov because they are from Kharkov. Uh, and we were driving back into the Kiev. It was pretty funny. You know, we were driving a minute. Uh, at least it was not obvious that we are coming back. Of course, you have every village, every smaller city, they group up and they create their own uh, territorial defense units. So they put checkpoints, you know, they have some um, hunting, I would say, uh, guns and, and, and all sorts of defense weapons, I would say. And they, you know, they check you, they, they ask you for the passport, you have to show them the Ukrainian passport, where you're from. So it's the, organi the, the organizational part of every single small uh, community is, is, is great. I mean, you know, you have in Kiev, you have streets who are barricading their own streets and they, they patrol their own streets and, and, you know, and they, it's good. I mean, the level of awareness 
the level yeah. of alert, uh, the level of motivation is very high. Uh, all of those little groups of uh, Russian spies or Russian agents who were trying to set up something, they, they failed because they didn't expect uh, yeah. such a level of, uh, mm, I would say, notorious overwatch from everybody. You know, once somebody sees something, I was entering my brother's uh, apartment uh, when, we, when we came and we came in yesterday. We were entering the apartment, but the electricity doesn't work in their doorbell. So we were trying to ring and it didn't, didn't ring. Uh, and the girl came down. And she opened the doors and, you know, we were trying to come in and she was like, guys, but you know who you are. And we said, well, we go into the, this and that apartment to this and this person said, well, uh, okay, but uh, you have to identify yourself or prove that somebody is there. So even, even in these small things, you know, the awareness is there and people are really, you know, they're, they're cautious about what's going on around them. And you mentioned, you mentioned on Twitter this morning that, you know, spirits are high. You know, no one's willing to surrender. How How is the mood? Well, it's tough. You know, I'm not with a general population. I'm allocated to a unit. We're just basically doing communication between the, the territorial guards and uh, and uh, the other operational forces. Um, it was been tough because a lot of shops are closed. So people are really having a hard time to get some uh, basic needs. Uh, yeah. I hope it's going to get better. I'm not sure how the supply chain works, uh, how everything is coming to the city, but this is some very key key part because predominantly a lot of people are living in a in a tube lane, so they they sleep and they spend their day underground just in case of any major attack. And it is tough. I mean, there's a lot of kids. There's it, it just it's not the right way of what's going on, and it needs to be stopped. And, and in terms of you, you, you mentioned yourself, no military experience. You know, you're now in the reserves. You know, what happens now? Are they are they training you or are they teaching you how to use guns? Are they what 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 is the process now for someone like yourself? It, it's the worst nightmare of everybody that, that you're back there and you're having to fight fight for your country. So talk talk listeners through what that what that means in terms of you personally. Well, yes, they offered us to, to go through the shooting ranges, but I've had enough um, shooting practices throughout my life after the 14 uh, in Slovakia. So I know how to handle the weapon. I know how to handle both weapon like pistol and, and an assault rifle, but I never shot at anybody and I was never shot at. So this is something you cannot learn, you cannot teach, and no matter how, how much you practice, you, 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 cannot ex- you, don't, you don't know how you will react to the situation. So it's tough. And as we see the the satellite images, you know, large Russian convoy, you know, stretching what forty miles, heading heading towards you. You know, how are you how are you feeling? You know, what 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 emotions are you experiencing? Honestly, uh, a lot of those convoys burned down pretty well in Ukraine. I'm not thinking that this is going to be any different. Um, Again, the motivation of Ukrainian troops is just significantly higher. As long as they go on the ground, I don't believe they can. Kiev is a four million city. To hold Kiev properly, they'll need about, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand troops because every corner where they will be, they'll be attacked. It's going to be a guerrilla warfare for them nonstop. 
So they, they cannot control. That's why they're all surrounding the cities. They're trying to capitalize. They're trying to reach. They, they're trying to spend the special operation groups to, to capture the president or to get into the governmental district. But they have no chance of doing that. They failed every time. And your your last words, because I want I want you to to get back to what's important. You know, it's I I thank you for coming on here. I I hope that this small platform that we have, you know, is, is at least spreading spreading the words, the messages. You know, the more people that are hearing these stories, you know, understanding what's going on. The, the more support that is given and the more action that is taken can can only be a good thing. But specifically, Sergi, for the, the tennis community, you know, we we all spend, you know, me, myself and you, I probably saw you for the first time 15, 20 years ago. This is, the tennis community is a very tight community, even though at times it doesn't always feel like it as we're trying to beat each other on the <laughs> tennis court. Um, but that just pales into insignificance of what you're going through right now. You know, I, I speak, I'm sure, for everybody in what I say, the love, the respect, the support. What's what's your message to, to the tennis community? Well, firstly, and most importantly, I'd like to thank the tennis community for their support because I've received a tremendous amount of messages from the professional tennis players, when women, amateurs, anybody from inside the industry. And it's been, it's been really nice. I, you know, when you get a message that, you know, you're in your, you are in our prayers and, you know, we're really thinking about Ukraine. It's, it is nice. And even if they're just saying it, you know, it took them time to write, to find you, to write it to you. So it, it matters. All of those little things matter. So firstly, I want to thank the tennis community because we can feel their support. And secondly, I just hope at some, at some point I will be able just to step back on the court and forget all this madness. No, we would we would love that. We're sure it's going to happen, Sergi. Uh, sending you all the love, respect and support from everybody. And, and thank you so much for coming on. You take Thanks. care, my friend. Thanks, mate. Thanks. That was without a doubt the, the hardest conversation I've ever had to have on, on this podcast. You know, when you set out on a, a tennis podcast uh, to bring, you know, we've always talked about energizing, entertaining, educating, but to see a fellow tennis player, a, a fellow tennis man going through what he's going through, and, and that's not to mention all the other hundreds of thousands of families that have been affected by this this craziness that is going on because of one man's ego. It's just a crazy, crazy world right now. It's it's incredibly humbling. Uh, the fact that Sergi is using his voice, you know, I know he's been out there on lots of different news stations today. My, my admiration, my respect for himself, for his fellow countrymen, for, for the president, uh, Zelensky, who has just been so incredible the last few days as well. But I, I really hope things can can die down and I hope that we never have to have these sort of conversations again and I hope that no other human being ever has to go through what they are currently going through as well um, but just heartbreaking stuff Vicky. I mean you just can't imagine can you how his family are feeling even I, I haven't been able to stop thinking about his wife all day um, you know she must have been so looking forward to the day that he would stop traveling, you know, have him back at home, more time as a family, a normal family with the children. 
and she had barely a, a few weeks before he's uh, he's left and is facing quite real possibility of him not being there at all. I mean, it it beggars belief. Yeah, I I, I think as I just said there, I think it it is the hardest conversations to have, but it's it's certainly nothing compared to what what these families and what Sergio and his family uh, are going through and 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 I just I'm I'm pleased that we're able to to at least bring a conversation to the table you know and I think the fact that Sergio was so willing willing to do this you know hopefully this message can get far and wide in the tennis community and you know that was something I did want to ask him and and did ask him and also asked him off air you know what what can we do and I think you know it's continuing to to bring this to the forefront you know this is real life it it doesn't seem like it you know when you turn the telly on you know it's it's hard for you to touch it he he spoke to me off air as well and he said that he actually he actually said to me i don't i don't feel nervous but i feel scared and and he said when he was out of the country he felt really nervous because he was looking in and it didn't feel real and he couldn't he couldn't touch it he couldn't really know what was going on and I think it's it's just massively hit him, you know, walking in on foot, you know, doing it even minus eight degrees midnight when he when he made his way back across into his homeland and to know what is on the way, you know, that anticipation of that dread to that, you know, the, the feelings that he must be having, you know, and we just need to keep spreading the word, keep supporting all the Ukrainian tennis players, the Ukrainian athletes, yes, it, it, we feel a little bit helpless, and certainly I do, you know, and I, it's all I've thought of all day since I've come up that come off that conversation, but I, I really hope that there's lots of people that get to listen to Sergi and can bring this war to life so that you really, that we really understand that it's happening. It's real and it needs real help and it needs real support coming from the rest the rest of the world. And I don't really know what else to say on it. Obviously, we're not politicians. Um, we just, you know, if we wanted to play a little a little role in using the platform of control, the controllables, to get this this live story out there and and to show our love and support in the tennis world for everything that's happening in Ukraine right now. And then a lot has been happening in the last 24 hours in the tennis world. Um, Elena Monfils released a statement yesterday. She was drawn, she was top seed in Mexico, drawn against a Russian player, Anastasia Potapova, in the first round. And in her statement, she said she would not play against any Russian or Belarusian opponents unless all national and emblems, flags and colours were removed. Now, the ITF have been discussing all day what to do and released a statement this evening saying that Russian or Belarusian teams will not be allowed to play. However, individual players can continue, but they have to play under a neutral flag. So as it stands this evening, Elena Monfils is scheduled to play. We will see. But I mean, what are your thoughts? I think I think ultimately it, it's, a, it's a highly, highly emotive topic, isn't it? And I think it's, it's, it's a one that Russia itself as a, as a country needs to be hit hard you know and I think that's that's been done in in many different ways I I do strongly believe that getting players to 
to not compete and represent the flag of Russia or the name of Russia is is vitally important because I think having that on show as as Elena said in her statement last night it's just not something that she can do she can't it's nothing personal against Anastasia Potapova it's it's nothing on her but ultimately if she is representing Russia that is that is absolutely a step that she can't take you know morally you know with support of of, of just the horrific things that are going on but I, I I do think ultimately there's a lot of Russian athletes now that have come out that have spoken against the war and and if we take Rublev using the platform of winning a tournament and and writing stop war peace and, and you know the these athletes I'm not sure that they they need to be the ones that are suffering I think I think if we as a tennis community can can live by the rule of of sending peace and love and respect for for each other you know we talk about it all the time on the podcast be kind you know and that and that's the message that I think we need to continue sending yes when it hits you personally it's not quite as simple as that, and I and I appreciate that it is an emotive topic. But I would like to see the players continuing to compete, continuing to to send these kind messages of unity, whatever nation, whatever race you are, and and there's got to be other ways and the ways that are the sanctions that are being put in place that are that are hurting the country, the economy, that that hopefully will start to have an impact. Um, but I, I fear this has got a long, a long time to run. And it's yeah, it's, it's once again we're going back into a topic that none of us really want to be want to be talking about, but we're here to shine a light on it. I couldn't disagree any more with that. I <sighs> I, it, it, I, I, the worst thing that could happen is, you know, if the ITF had made the decision to stop all Russian and Belarusian players competing individually, is that divides the tennis community massive, massively. Um, there will be people for, like yourself, there will be people against, like me, um, and we will, of course, battle it out. I mean, look at Djokovic when he didn't have an injection, for goodness sake, how, how angry both sides got. However, this isn't about COVID. This is about people being killed. Um, if some tennis players don't get to play a sport, get to hit fluffy things around to send a really strong message about people dying, I, I, I think that's a very, very, very small, minute price to pay. Um, is an individual tennis player at fault for this invasion? No, of course not. Should they be punished? No, of course not. But is this the fault of an individual person in the Ukraine? No. And yet they are being punished and their punishment isn't not being able to play tennis. Their punishment is having their country bombed, their their countrymen killed. It, it doesn't really compare. So for me, the ITF hasn't gone far enough on this. And I think the rest of the world in all forms, in all sports, in, in in every way that they can, needs to send a really, really strong message. And by saying, you know what, we don't agree, 
you know, we we don't agree with what you're doing. Russian players cannot compete while this war is going on. There's nothing stronger that they could do than that, and and that is is how I how I feel about it. Very strong, as I'm sure you feel very strongly the opposite way. Well, no, I mean, I, it's look, I, I I respect that opinion, and I and and I can I can see all sides, and I think I think ultimately what what I'm saying is that the Russian tennis players not condoning what is going on and speaking out and being out there not playing under their country's name and being part of they're representing tennis you know Daniil Medvedev is currently the world's best male tennis player and and for him to be able to use that platform to be able to come out and say we want peace we don't want war you know would he speak stronger i don't know i guess he's probably scared to speak stronger against uh, against putin and 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 what is currently going on but i i i just think if they are to be included in in the nation of tennis and and tennis is then able and sport is able to to give people a little bit of light in what are, what are very dark times right now and and then those messages are able to come back into the country very strongly that you know as celebrities as as key figures within their country they are more than happy to compete not under the the banner of Russia and they are also more than happy to stand there and and let everybody in the world know that they do not condone what is going on war should not be happening there has to be a better way of sorting this conflict out i personally think that's a very powerful way to go i will always err on the side of that you know which is why when i see somebody like sergi that can step up and do I don't know I really don't know if I could do that you know I don't know if I have that in me as a man and and I and I tip my hat my respect my admiration goes out to Sergey and everybody else that is doing that in Ukraine and I think that's all I have to say about it I think it's 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 not something I overly feel comfortable us us talking about uh it's something that certainly I feel very strongly emotional about uh, but I am sitting in the warmth of my own home and have the freedom that you know today I kept looking around I think we have the freedom here to walk across the road we have the freedom to be on the tennis courts you know and how lucky and how grateful we need to be for that you know hug your loved ones that little bit tighter right now you know please say a prayer whether you're religious or you're not religious, say a prayer, have a thought for Sergi, for his family and all the other thousands and thousands of people that are suffering right now. And the Russian families who are losing loved ones as well. There's no winners here. No, not, not, not at all. And, you know, thank you guys for, for listening. I, I'm sorry that it's not it's not the usual upbeat podcast but it, it didn't it didn't feel right to have an episode today you know we we did have an episode recorded with Barbara Shett which is which is an incredible episode and we were excited to bring that one to you but if you don't mind that one will now come out next week you know I, I really hope in a week's time we're in a, in a in a place where the world has taken a little bit of an upturn from from the challenges and the difficulties that are that are going on right now Thank you as always for listening. Anyone that has been affected 
that's listening to this, whether it's in Ukraine, whether it's neighbouring countries, whether it's friends, family, you know, we send our controller controllables love out to all of you guys. And my final words have to go back to Sergey, and just from from all of us in the tennis community, stay strong. We're all we're all proud of what you're doing. And until next time, I'm Dan Keenan, and we are Control the Controllables.